0: you're in it and that goes from the musicians and all the rehearsals and things that they do right up through so bear with me on this right up through the, the sound the video it, there's a lot of stuff and these guys really really work hard and I think they do an excellent job so let's just thank them again for their for their service for their volunteer uh, of, their, of their time and their energy to and expertise really to pull all of this off I guess everybody got one of these, so everybody's, everybody got one of these? No? Oh, here they come right now, that's why. Well, I'm glad I, I did that. So everyone's going to get one of these. <laughs> so uh, this is just some some things that we're going to be talking about today. The last time I preached here from uh, from this pulpit, was uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Bill was the last couple of weeks, and before that I had a series of messages, three weeks on uh, the first chapter of Ephesians, and really it was the first half of that, talking about every spiritual blessing and all of the things that, that, that God has given us in terms of those spiritual blessings. And we went through all of those, there were a lot of things I won't recap now. But I wanted to complete this series... Uh, in the last half of that chapter, chapter 1 of Ephesians. And this part of this scripture is really a prayer. It is a prayer that the Apostle Paul is uh, is praying and really, I believe, is teaching us to pray. And so that's what we're going to be talking about, the last half of Ephesians 1. The first question I have for you this morning is, when was the last time you had an eye exam? Anybody had an eye exam recently? I remember the last time I had one, I had to go up and look in this like little periscope looking thing, and look like a big uh, view viewmaster. And they covered my eye on one side, covered it on the other, and maybe read the different things, and and uh, and then they shine a light in my eye, and they came up with all of this data to determine how clear my eyesight was. Was it? 2020, which everybody would hope to be, that's basically perfect vision. I guess they have a little stage higher than that, too. Or is it just a little bit nearsighted, farsighted, whatever it may be. So today, we're going to have our eyes examined. You didn't know we're doing the voting, but also we're going to give you an eye exam. (laughs) But this is going to be examining a set of eyes that many of you, if not, perhaps all of you, don't know that you have. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be testing that. Now, in Ephesians 1, Paul talks about this prayer, about what God wants to do in our lives because of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. This is going to be 15 to 19 from the English Standard Version. It's on your sheet if you'd like to read along, and it's probably going to be on the screens as well.
1: And it says this,
0: For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is the Apostle Paul writing about his prayer life. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Everybody say eyes. Eyes. The eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? Now, the first thing you're going to see on your hand out there, it says, is the eyes of the heart, the eyes of your heart, set the direction for your life. And, and, and when, you, when you see something, it determines the direction you're going to go. So, for instance, if I want to walk to that keyboard, I'm, I see it, and I walk there. I see the, the, the podium, and I, I, I walk back here. Similar to the eyes of your heart. what your heart? What your heart sees, what you see with your heart, determines where you're going to go in your life. So if you think about these verses that we're going to share today, think about it as like God's eye chart, in a way. And and if you think about it that way, wouldn't wouldn't it be great, like if you went to those eye exams, and when you went and had an eye exam, but as you're actually reading, that your vision is getting better? That's what can happen here, so as we walk through this. I hope that helps you. So Paul's prayer here is not just praying that God would give us what we don't have. Most of the time, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, most of the time our prayers are about things we don't have or things that we want or things that we need, things that we are asking God to do. So it's usually things that we don't have. What Paul's prayer is, he is asking God to reveal to us what we already have. It's a very important distinction. So As we we look at at this prayer, he's asking God to reveal to us really what I would consider to be a new way of seeing things. A a, a new and a different way of how to see things. There's a a great author and and teacher, Bible teacher, Warren Wiersbe. Many of you probably know who he is. I think we were talking about him the other day, And Warren Wearsby had a story about a man named William Randolph Hearst. Now, William Randolph Hearst, in his day, was one of the wealthiest men in the world. He would be like the equivalent of a Bill Gates, say, today. Maybe not the wealthiest, but right up there. He was a publishing tycoon. And one of his passions was art, collecting art. And he referred to it as he has treasures of art. Art treasures. And he wanted to acquire other things. So there were certain things that he had identified, certain art treasures that he had identified that he wanted to acquire. And so he had uh, retained the services of an art expert and made him his representative to send him out to find these. So this man went out on an international search to find these art treasures for William Randolph First. And after several months of exhaustive searching and looking for these things, he came back. He met with uh, William Randolph Hearst, and he came to him and he said, Mr. Hearst, I have good news. I found the art treasures that you wanted me to find. And he says, great, where are they? And he said, well, they're in your warehouse. You see, William Randolph Hearst actually already had the treasures that he sought sometimes when I read that story that that's like me. I feel like I'm that way. I think you probably have felt that way at one time or another it, it, that that's true in your life that we're searching for treasures that we already own in Jesus Christ and it's so important that we see things this way folks. if you want to live a life of victory, you're going to hear it today. This is a part of what it is that we've got to do we've got to see things the way Paul is praying and this is what I want to read this to you again. This, this, this verse 18 and 19 that I just read. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Having the eyes of your hearts opened to revealed things. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened for three things. One, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened so you can determine what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so you can see what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. So hope, riches and inheritance, and power. Those are things we're going to talk about. So that's what Paul's praying. And you can see that if you want to to complete that in your handout, that's what it is. The hope of his calling. That's what Paul's praying that we can see. So if if all we have to look forward to I guess I'll speak for myself, but I'll say we. If all we have to look forward to in this life is hopelessness or despair, where you just look at things like, you know, I don't know where my life is headed, I don't have really an understanding of my purpose, why am I here, what was I created for, Um, or anything else, whatever the questions of life may be. You may think, well, Lynn, I'm just going to live out my life in this world. I'm going to play out the string, to use a sports metaphor. I'm going to just go through the motions, do what I've got to do to to live out in this world the best I can. And I'm going to just say, if all we have, if all I have to look forward to at the end of my life is nothing, then I'll have hopelessness. I'll have despair. I'll have depression. I'll have sadness. Because who wants to live a life like that? I want to tell you today, I don't want to live like that. And here's the good news. Guess what? God says we don't have to live that way. We do not have to live that way. Because that is not the truth that he says about us. That's not the truth about you. It's not the truth about me. So we don't have to feel that way. We don't have to live that way. God's calling is filled, and I think even the Scripture is very clear about this too, it is overflowing with hope. But can he see it? Sometimes people say, I don't know, I can't can't see that in my life. Listen up today. Listen up. What is the hope of his calling? Okay, I'm going to give you a few things. You are called to salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. You're called to that. You are called to have close fellowship with Jesus. Not some distant thing, not just to show up on Sunday. you, You are called to have that close fellowship. You're also called to lay down your worries and your burdens at the feet of Jesus. Cast all your care upon Him because He cares for you. We're called to that. We're also called to live out our gifts and abilities that He has given us. You know the Scripture says that each of us, not some of us, each of us has been given unique gifts and abilities. We're called to live out those gifts and abilities, the things he's put in our lives. And we are called to live an abundant and a purposeful and a meaningful life here on earth. We're called to that. And here's the good one. Those are all good. Here's a big one. We are called to spend To spend an eternity in the presence of the Almighty God. We are called to be in heaven. That's our that's it. Now, if you listen to all those things I said, and I could give you a bunch of others, but I'll just end it there. If you listen to those things, that's hope. All caps, bold, underlined, triple exclamation points, that's hope. That's what those things are. And that is the hope that each of us has in Christ. In Christ. So you say, well, how does hope occur in my life? Pastor, really make this like something that I can understand or that applies to me. Well, hope happens when you and I trust in the promises God has for our life. That's when hope. That's when hope occurs. That's when it starts. So I would ask this question, and I guess this is a more of a rhetorical question, but how do I, how do we, how do you cultivate this 2020 vision of the heart? This 2020, we want to have clear vision of the heart as Paul is writing. How do we do that when it comes to this question of hope? So I'd ask you this question just to think about. It. You don't have to answer. But how does God work his hope? does he weave that in to the fabric of your life? How does he do that? Well, the scripture is very clear about this, and I'm going to tell you what it is, but I'm also going to tell you, you may not like the answer. I hope you do, but and maybe some will, and maybe some won't, don't know, but this is the truth of what God's word is saying. The way God sends hope into our everyday lives, maybe say one of the ways, but the way he does it is he sends problems. How many have problems? a few of you that didn't raise your hand, would you please see me after church so you can explain to me how you're living? Because I got problems. I'll raise both hands. We got problems, okay? So those problems are sent into our life. Look, it's not me saying this, by the way. Let's look at Romans. It's on your sheet. Romans 5, 3, and 4. This is the new century version. Every version of this says essentially the same thing. Does. Not essentially, it says exactly the same thing, but different. Here's what this says. We also have joy with our troubles. Because we know that these troubles produce patience. And patience produces character. And character produces... Character produces hope. Character produces hope. This verse reminds me that I can't really, as a Christ follower... I can't really have an inner sense of hope unless I have an outward supply of problems. I wish it weren't that way, but it is. (laughs) It'd be nice if it wasn't, but then again, that would introduce a whole other set of things I'm not going to go into today. Problems are what, I think this is on your sheet too, problems are what remind me that this world is not all that there is. I don't know about you, but I rejoice every day of my life that this world is not all that there is. Because if it was, may i be hopeless, despair, depression, no matter what I do. If this world is all there is, that, that, that's, that doesn't work for me. It's problems that remind me that I can't rely on myself. That I can't do this effectively to have the kind of life I need to have on my own power. I can't do that. It's problems that remind me that I need to rely totally, completely, put my full faith, confidence, and trust in God. That's what problems remind me of. And guess what? You know, I mean, I wish. Look, I wish I didn't have problems. I'm just like you do. I wish I didn't have them. If that was my preference, sure. I'll, I'll say that. But I'll tell you this: I love it. When I've faced a challenge or a storm, saying about that, or a, a problem, an issue. And God, I patiently wait for God. I trust God, and he brings me through this on the other side. And I cannot tell you that the end result in that, for me, is not despair. The end result of that process, for me, is hope. So I believe, too, that that's what God wants us to pray. He wants us to pray as Paul was praying. He wants us to pray that we can see, not that because it's already there whether you believe it or not, it's there. Overflowing hope in your life is there. What we need to pray as Christ followers is that God will open the eyes of our heart, enlighten the eyes of our heart so that we can see this overflowing hope in our lives. Prayer that you need to pray, and I would encourage you if you're feeling like you don't understand that or you don't have that hope, pray it every day until you do. Because you will, God will be true to His word. He'll enlighten the eyes of your heart. So He wants us to see all of these things, but that's a, that's hope, the hope of His calling. The other thing that He wants us to see is what we've already talked about in this series a little bit is that He wants you to see. the the inheritance that you have. And we covered that in the first three weeks. I won't go back over it, but simply that he wants us to see that we have an inheritance in the saints and we have an inheritance for the saints. You go back and listen to that if you want a reminder of that. But he wants us to be able to, to see that, to see that inheritance, to see the riches of a glorious inheritance. So a question would be, how do I develop 2020 vision of the heart when it comes to seeing those riches? Seeing a glorious inheritance. And when you look at Paul's description of it, that's what it says. It's right there. We just read it. Description of a rich and glorious inheritance. Sometimes we have, I don't know, well, I'm going to say me, but I think probably you too, because I don't think I'm unlike most people in a lot of ways. there's times that I have a woe-is-me attitude. You ever had that? Everybody's like, I've never had that. (laughs) That's only you, Pastor Billy. Sure. (laughs) Just where, you know, you're like, I I feel like, you know, I'm comparing myself to others. God, why did they get that? Or why did that happen? I feel like I'm doing this. Or whatever it is. Just, you, you you can get into that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm saying that it just happened. You fall into that. Or maybe you feel like, well, my life is just not working out like I planned. Or it's not working out like I want it to. Woe is me. Sometimes you can get that. I'm going to tell you, that if you fall into that ever, that woe is me attitude, if you feel that tugging against you, it can be overcome. And it can be overcome like this. By realizing how incredibly valuable you are to God. He is is looking at you, not me. He doesn't look at Pastor Bill or me or anyone else like, well, you're valuable to me, but I don't know about that guy. No. Every one of us, each and every one of you is unique, and you are valuable to him. That's the identity you have. You need to really believe that and understand that because it's the truth of his word. So Paul is saying here again, open our eyes to see all of this of how incredibly valuable that we are. He wants you to see the hope that he's given you. He wants you to see the riches of a glorious inheritance that's there for you. Pray for that to happen in your life. If it's not happening, pray for it to. And I'm going to take a sidetrack really quick. have a prayer life, get one. It's not too late. And for those of you that know that I'm speaking to you now, I promise you there is nobody in my mind, not one face or any person that I have in my mind, I promise you that. This is, forever. This is for people who have been coming to church for 35 years. That's just, been, I mean, whatever period of time. It's not just some new believer that, oh yeah, well, they need to get a prayer life. Well, do you have one? How much time do you, you know, and I'm not saying that to be judgmental or high and mighty, I struggle with it, too. But listen, if you don't have time set aside to pray in your life right now, I'm just going to give you one piece of encouragement. Do it. And do it and take it in places that it won't seemingly overwhelm you. Five minutes a day. Start with that. If you want to, and I'll tell you this, if you want to, I can help you. And I will. You let me know. Don't be embarrassed or concerned about it. It's like I already know. There's people that don't do this regularly. I can help you organize a prayer calendar. And you can, of course, do it however you want, but I I think I talked with somebody about this the other day. We, we, We spoke about this the other day. I can help you with some ideas about what I call prayer starters. We're just a way to organize prayer. So you know what? You're just sort of praying and you're doing And then I will tell you this. I promise you this, folks. That five minutes is going to turn into more. Because you're going to see the Holy Spirit start just bringing forth things in your life. And it's going to just become rich and powerful. And you're going to enjoy it. And the Holy Spirit will just come. and, And you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit at some point if you haven't been already. There will be power in that. And you will take it and just start where you start. If you don't have it, get it. And start where you start. And if you need some help organizing how to get started, I can do that. And then you just spend if it's five minutes, God sees that, He honors it, He will bless it. Now, (laughs) that's pray for that to happen in your life. And here's another important prayer focus of all of this we're talking about today. And so we talked about hope, we talked about the riches of our inheritance. Here's the main thing right here. Not well, they're all really powerful things, but I'm gonna tell you, this is the main thing. is available to you. Average Joe, Christ follower. His power is available to you. You know how I know it? Listen to this. Ephesians, first chapter again, 19 to 23. You'll find it on your sheet. Be on the screens. Here we go. New Living Translation here. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Now, I do want to just say something right here. anything other than the fact of the matter because that's what it says for us who believe him. later, the power of God took him from standing on a mountain, rising up into the sky to the heavenly places to be seated at God's right hand. That's power too, by the way. (laughs) Those two things, so that's what Paul is saying. Those are that same power. Verse 21. Now he is far above any ruler, or authority, or power, or leader, and I love this, or in case I didn't cover everything there, anything else, he's above it all. Not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things, say all things, all things under the authority of Christ. And he has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. Do you know who the church is? Who's the church? Who's the church? We're the church. Not this building, not, these, not this beautiful ceiling and all these other things. That's not the church. That's a meeting place. We could pick this church up and walk right down the street and drop it in an elementary school or a theater somewhere, wherever it is, and it would still be the church of Jesus Christ. It would still be First Assembly because we're the church. And Jesus, it is saying here, that has been made head over all of these things for the benefit of you and I as the church. And the church is his body. That's us, we're the body of Christ. And it is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. And if that is... <laughs> If, if, if you don't want to take that and internalize that and read that over and over and over, you're going to miss something. That's the scripture that you should just make it a that a part Internalize that. Read it again when you go home. It's right there on the paper. Read it a few times. Go back then a few minutes later. Go back read it again. Just start thinking about it. Take some time and think about what that says. Here Paul is praying that we would see, again, enlighten the eyes of our heart, he, that we would see, scripture says, the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. Now, Paul uses in the in the Greek four power words, and I know Jakey's gonna love this. Either that or he's gonna give me a lesson on how I messed up at the end. Four words and how to describe power in that passage I just read. One is dunamis. Okay, I've spoken about that here before. Dunamis is like an explosive power. It's a it's it's the source of the word to how the word dynamite came about. Energia has the idea of working power, efficient power, energetic power, if you will. Kratos, which is a word for mighty, and ichos, which I know I think I'm mispronouncing. I don't have that good Greek in the little thing where they listen to show you how to pronounce it. They do it in the Greek accent. Again. But it's a forceful power, a might, just another word for power, a forceful power, might and strength is what that word means. All of those words Paul is using in the passage I just read. Do you know why? Because Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote that letter to the church at Ephesus under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That was God's actual words being spoken through him. All the reason that he put all of those words to describe power is because he did not want us to miss it. God didn't want us to mistake what he's talking about here. Oh, yeah, it's the power of God is the power of God. No, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that allowed him to ascend to heaven, to sit at the right hand of the Father. It's I appreciate that. Somebody out there. You yes, say, I don't care. I can tell you right now, I can't love them. I can't know, sir. Pastor, I've had people actually tell me. Doesn't mean that he won't give you the power to love someone when no one else. And no one else can. It doesn't mean he's not going to give you the power to say no, or even sometimes to say yes when you need to, in spite of the enemy's temptations and trying to pull you in other directions. there. He's sitting there. And he's looking over you. He's praying for you. You know, Jesus prays for you. He's praying for you. He is interceding for you on your behalf. So folks, and there's something I can't get to today. The last thing there is the the, the filling not just the fellowship of believers that's right. That's not it. You're not living this life alone. You are living with the power of the risen Savior Jesus Christ residing teaching us to do in the last half of this first chapter of Ephesians. we discussed it today. You can do it by prayer. circumstances of your life or the trial or the storm you're going through and you keep your eyes on that and somehow you'll you'll figure it out and, and somehow through that you'll build a sense of hope it's never going to happen I say that to be negative I say it to say this it's built on God's hope it's built on God's riches and inheritance it's built on God's power. And what we say earlier today, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness. and I dare not trust the sweetest frame, the holy, holy, entirely 100% trust in the name of Jesus. That man who was raised from the dead that same power. that God man who was sent into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. By his power it was done. It's built on God's hope, God's riches, and God's power in your life. Would you stand with me, please, I just want to pray for you? Thank you. I want to pray that each of us would have 20-20 vision of the heart. Just pray with me. So we can clearly see, so we can clearly, that God will enlighten us to see this hope, this inheritance, this power. Heavenly Father, thank you everybody just bow your head and pray this in agreement with me. Thank you for each and every one by, by online church or are here with us today. Thank you that as imperfect as we are and we are imperfect, that through the Holy Spirit working in us, we can encourage each other. We can encourage each other to live out the life you've called us to. Thank you, Jesus, for the hope that you've given us, that, that we have today, that treasure. that we have. Thank you for the riches and the inheritance that we have today. And thank you for the power that you have given us in Christ. The same power that raised your son Jesus from the dead. And sometimes we may not feel that way, Lord. We may not feel rich. We may not feel powerful. We may not feel hopeful. But right now we can decide That by faith we accept it to be true because your word says it's true. And Father, enlighten the eyes of our heart, each and every one. And I pray that in the name of Jesus.